Hello and welcome to another episode of Elevate, a DBNC leadership podcast where we have conversations with non-traditional and diverse leaders. Enjoy! My name is Christian Fox and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Rachel Luke. Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for, for coming in. For those that don't know you, what's your spiel? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I am currently the instructional coordinator for African Black Afro-Caribbean Student Success at the Peel District School Board. Prior to that, I taught at a high school in Peel for 20 years. And um, I was very honored to receive the Prime Minister's Award for Teaching Excellence uh, in 2020. I received the award for uh, the regional award for achievement. And in 2021, I received the national award uh, for teaching excellence. That's impressive. Thank you. So when you when you found out that you were getting that award, what went through your head? Um, I was, um, so the first time uh, I was, I mean, it's so exciting. I, I didn't quite know what to say. Um, I was I was really surprised, pleasantly surprised. And uh, it was just, it felt very rewarding after, uh, you know, all the work that I have put in. But I was most um, grateful to my colleague and students who nominated me because it's a very uh, involved process uh, for that nomination. And so I just felt extremely, I had extreme gratitude for the people that took the time um, to first of all, think of me and then to go through the process of nominating me. Oh, that's amazing. And so when, so just for that process, when you got nominated, did you, did you know about that or did um, things happen kind of behind the scenes? So the first year it was behind the scenes. Um, the second year I was, I was in the know. Yeah. And uh, it was it was interesting because, of course, they didn't know everything that I was doing. So they they wanted to ask me to make sure that they had put everything in. And so they kept saying, we didn't know you did this, miss. And we didn't know you did that. Uh, so it was a it was it was a very special moment. And just to be able to go to Ottawa, um, what was really kind is um, because I got the award during COVID. Um, my the cohort with me really weren't able to go to Ottawa. So they let us go in the year that the 22, 2022 recipients received their award. So we all received it together. So it was a very special time. We um, drove down to Ottawa. I flew, my parents drove down, mm-hmm. and my friends and family were there. And to receive uh, the award from the prime minister and shake his hand was uh, a special moment. Ah, that's Definitely excellent. A special that's moment. very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So now I kind of want to shift gears and move into the more serious conversation just because it is Black History Month. Um, You know, that's obviously there's so much to unpack there. Um, So I wanted just to start off by asking, how would you define black leadership given today's historical and political climate? Um, So I think we definitely need strong black role models and black leaders uh, in our society today. Um, We need to have inspirational role models that everyone can look up to. And uh, I think young people in particular can look up to. And and, uh, we need to have a lot more, um, I think, black leaders in in politics, because uh, they can ensure that black voices and perspectives and issues and experiences are heard um, and considered in decision-making processes. I think a major issue that we have in our community is that we don't have a lot of access. So though people say there's opportunity, Often, yes, there's opportunity, but how easy is it to really gain access? And so I think it's critical for us to have black leaders um, in in positions of power where they can affect change and they can bring issues uh, that have to do with, I'd say, our community and many communities, but our community in particular, to the fore. 
Um, I also think that um, we need to have black leaders who can advocate for us and, um, you know, just look out for the well-being of, 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 um, of many in the black community. We saw during COVID uh, the tremendous disparities between many communities, um, and in particular the black community. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, if we have people in positions of power, they can affect change and we may not see those disparities um, so glaringly in the future. Yeah, I think that's so true that, again, like the, as you said, opportunity is out there, but it's not necessarily always easy. So what do you think might be one of the first steps that we can take or that should be taken for it to become easier for black leaders to emerge? Um, so I think there needs to be a lot more mentorship of black leaders, people who are interested in, in getting into leadership positions. Um, there needs to be mentorship um, and, and just opportunities given, right? Um, a lot of our young people don't know or understand uh, the political system. So they need to understand how it functions and how you can move forward in those types of roles. Um, people who are in positions of power right now um, need to be looking out uh, for others who maybe don't look like them and taking them under their wing and tutoring them and and uh, mentoring them and supporting them so that they can move into those positions um, where they can truly affect change. Um, I think we uh, at grassroots, yes, you can make an impact and you can help your community, but really you have to be at the table you know, to affect policies and to uh, to make true change, you have to have a seat at the table. And we don't have enough people that are racialized um, at seats at the table, I think. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing. Like mentorship, that's a great, great solution. And it's a great step because, yeah, as you said, like a lot of people don't understand the political system. I learned about the political system. I understood it for a long time. Now I have to go back and like, okay, there's certain things I'm not understanding. And it's just a whole different world when you're in politics that I feel like, yeah, if you had someone that could mentor people, um, you know, racialized leaders who in in how politics work so that they can actually come forward, you know, have a seat at the table. And as you say, impact change. Yeah. And not just in politics, too. I mean, in healthcare, in education. Um, you know, you name it, you need to have, you have to have different faces and different voices. Right? Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Now talking about leadership and looking at it from leaders who are racialized, what do you think some of the barriers are and some of the, the unique challenges of being, um, in a leadership position? Got it. Well, I can speak from my own experiences and I will have to say as a black female, they're definitely not unique because <laughs> right. any other black females I've spoken to have probably right, had exactly. many of the same issues. Um, so definitely, I think racist systemic barriers have been an issue, and uh, I think it that those barriers hinder our ability to really affect meaningful change. Um, the, the barriers are so they're insidious, and they're um, they're sometimes very uh, difficult to see and recognize, but they're there. Um, so it makes it very difficult to to affect change. I think tokenism is a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are seen as a token, um, you know it it uh, takes away from your credibility and your influence. And um, I'll just give an example. What I was talking before about the Prime Minister's Award, and every single news uh, news station that contacted me, um, you know the newspapers, uh, television stations that contacted me. Um, the spin for the article was always, you know, as a black teacher mm, winning this award, right. or how does it feel as a black teacher? And that became the story, um, which was actually very hurtful to me. 
because it wasn't just, this is a teacher that won this prestigious award. The black piece had to come into it. So I was the, you know, uh, you know, how do you think that the black students felt with you? And I said the same that the white students felt, you know, about me winning this mm -hmm. award. So um, I just find that often you, uh, when you become a token, it becomes really, really difficult. And with tokenism as well, um, you're often expected to represent the entire um, the, the entire black community. And that's problematic. I think everyone's probably heard the TED talk by uh, Chimamanda where she talks about um, the dangers of a single story. Um, we all have different stories. And one of the things I've struggled with as a leader um, is people say, well, you made it, you know, so everyone else should be able to make it too. And, and that's not fair. Right, because I am a person who had a lot of supports. Um, I, I'm a Christian. I had God with me. You know, I have my faith. I'm very strong in my faith. Um, I, I've had a lot of opportunities that maybe a lot of other Blacks haven't had, and so my experience cannot be uh, comparable to others. So I find that really difficult to always be the sort of the the token. That's you know, well, you did it. So what's the issue? Everyone else should be able to too. Yeah, that's a that's a great point that you that you're making about being a token and like, you know, just the fact that every news agency is like, hey, how like we want to talk to you, but as a black as a black leader or as a black teacher. That's right. Now, when you had those conversations, were you able to say did you, to tell them, you know what, I appreciate you contacting me, but like don't spin it this way or, or I did so initially I didn't uh with the first few I thought okay um and I, I kind of went with it but then gradually I got to the point where I just said you know I think I feel exactly the same as a white teacher winning this award you know um so I, I think they got the message and then finally uh the last few that contacted me I just said I'm not interested um I mean I, I don't see the point of that um I don't want to be treated as a token mm-hmm yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's a yeah. That makes a lot of sense, and I'm glad that you were able to tell them. You know what? I, mm -hmm. I don't want to be treated like yeah. that. Because often I feel like again, like if you were a black leader, everything becomes as a black leader, that's as a right. black leader. That's right. That's and right. then they expect you to know. Well, what does the black community think? That's as correct. if you know everything about exactly. the black community. Exactly. And that's dangerous. Um, right? Yeah. We can't be speaking exactly. on behalf of everyone. All of our experiences are different. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when you talk about the African diaspora, it is so diverse. Mm -hmm. um, so one person cannot be the, the voice. Right, exactly. So again, continuing on with this theme, who are some black leaders that you know about that you think, you know, should be should be recognized more that people just don't know about? Know about them. Um, so there's a lot of people, I mean, historically that I think people should know about, but I want to talk about some people who are presently doing a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Um, Afua Cooper, she is a historian, author, and a poet. Um, she's done a lot of uh, work with Black Canadian history and culture and, um, and research, and she's really tried to highlight overlooked contributions of uh, Black Canadians who have done a tremendous amount of work in Canadian society, and they've never been recognized or seen or, or read about or heard about. And so I really respect that, and she's done a lot of work in this area. So Afua Cooper would be one person. Uh, Wes Hall, who is a businessman and entrepreneur, you probably heard about him on Dragon's Den. Um, his story is so uh, amazing. He really was a rags to riches story. And what I love about him is that he always gives back to the community. So he started the Black North uh, Initiative, where he is, um, it's an organization which works to combat racism in business. And um, he is right now uh, a major player on Bay Street. And I think his company is one of the, I think the fifth richest uh, business organization um, on Bay Street today. 
So, and I, I love this idea of always giving back. And he's, he really believes in that strongly. So I, I respect him. Nadine Spencer is a visionary entrepreneur and CEO at the Black Business and Professionals Association, another phenomenal force in our community. She hosts the Harry Jerome Awards every year. She does many, many scholarships for youth. Um, and uh, she supports other black entrepreneurs in Ontario. Um, there are so many. It's... Uh, it's hard to narrow it down. Um, do you want more? <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. yeah, sure. Um, uh, yeah, another one that I think a lot of people don't know about is Alan Amtage, who was a Bayesian Canadian computer scientist. And he actually created the first pre-web internet search engine. And nobody ever talks about him. Right. That's never, I've ever. never heard about that. Right. Yeah. So, That's I mean, huge. there are so many black inventors that did amazing things. I mean, the first the first taxi cab was by um, was Thornton and Lucy Blackburn, who uh, had escaped slavery and came to Canada, and they created the first taxi cab. Like we talk about Uber and all these other, yeah. but you know, nobody knows about them. You know yep, what I mean? Like exactly. people don't know that we had cowboys. Um, you know, uh, John Ware in 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 Canada. So uh, I think we have to do a lot more uh, research and and uh, promotion of the people that have made tremendous, tremendous um, inroads and uh, accomplishments and contributions to Canadian society. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Because I think like, especially if, like during Black History Month, we talk about the same people all the time. The it's like, those people are important. But you mentioned um, all these people who I've never heard about. Right. And it's like, that's that's a problem. Mm -hmm. um, so we definitely need to try and, and try and change that. Agreed. So thinking about... That and about, you know, we talk about some of the black leaders that we don't know about. Um, how do you think the importance of Black History Month has changed and evolved? So I think initially, um, you know, that it started with um, Carter G. Woodson in, um, sorry, yes, Carter G. Woodson in, uh, in the United States. Um, and then, of course, Jean Augustine played uh, a tremendous role in having it um, acknowledged here in Canada. Um, I think initially it was a little bit more symbolic, but now, um, I, I mean, I'm, the, I'm in education, so now it's huge. Like Black History Month, we have all kinds of events that we organize and run. Um, we have, uh, we've really, you know, tried to in, embed it into our curriculum. Um, I, I, I was driving the other day and I saw, you know, Black History Month on the bus, you know, the, the little sign on the bus. Mm -hmm. um, I still think sometimes it's a bit performative, but at least yeah. it's out there and people know about it. So I think our education has definitely evolved. Um, you know, there's a lot of celebrations of, of black culture, of the African diaspora, and those things are very, very important. So I think we've come a long way. Um, I'm hoping for the day where we don't have to have a month to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Because really that should be the goal. The goal is that we shouldn't have to have a Black History Month, that it is uh, black contributions and heritage and culture is celebrated in all ways all the time mm -hmm. in every subject area you know in media it shouldn't just have to be during the shortest month mm -hmm. of the year right so how do you think we can get to that point where we're not where we're not just it's not just black history month it's just it's all the time as you say I think then we, we have to stop being performative and we need to decide that we are actually going to acknowledge and we are going to celebrate um, all cultures and uh, we are going to uh, 
uh, effectively and smoothly integrated into curriculum mm -hmm. so that it doesn't just become, well, it's February, so now let's talk about this. But it's actually um, seamlessly woven into all of our curriculum areas um, on, in, in the media, you know, on, on, on television, in movies. It's all the time, right? And, and it's not tokenism. And the stories mm -hmm. are more diverse. Um, I think in everything, and just even in, in our businesses, supporting black businesses, um, I think when we really embrace uh, different cultures and, uh, and, and acknowledge the contributions that they've made to this country called Canada, we'll be doing, we'll, we'll have evolved to where we need to be. Yeah. We'll need to have a month. Yeah, I think you. I think you're so right because I think if we can get past the, because I think like the problem I always see with Black History Month is we talk about it, we celebrate it, but then as soon as we're in March, we forget about it, and yeah. then we're back to yeah. not really acknowledging right. Black contributions. Right. And you know, even TV. I even as I said before, I I said off air just for for people watching that I'm a big TV buff, and. Shows they're getting better, but we still have a long way to go. I think, mm -hmm. um, but it is an interesting seeing the evolution and yes. how black characters are written and yes. how they're more integrated in the plot, and they're not just oh they're there because and like, their story is about them being black. It's just no, yes. they're doing something else, but it's not the focus. Um, and I think if we keep building towards that, and as you say, even businesses, I don't think we talk a lot about. Um, you know about black-owned businesses, so that's a huge thing. Yeah, so very much definitely, so. definitely huge. Now mm -hmm. I know we've been jumping around. I kind of wanted to go back because I realized there was an important question I wanted mm -hmm. to ask about sure. black leaders. Mm -hmm. um, actually, this is sort of a two-part question. Mm -hmm. One, how? What advice would you give um, black leaders who are trying to either get a leadership role and mm -hmm. try and become more of a leader, yeah. or those who are already in leadership roles? Mm -hmm. Um, I think you need to have a support network. Um, a lot of times equity work, um, advocacy work is very, very challenging. It leads to extreme burnout and uh, fatigue. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important to have a network of support um, around you. So that's one piece of advice I would definitely give. Um, I think also um, making sure that you, ha that you have mentorship so you, you know what you're doing and you you know how to navigate spaces. That's really important um, because sometimes we think we understand certain situations or spaces, but um, we, we sometimes realize after that we, we don't. So you need to know how to navigate uh, the spaces that you're in um, and, and be knowledgeable about all the different pieces that might be involved. Um, other things for people who are, I mean, for young people going into leadership, mentorship is huge, mm -hmm. um, and support systems. Those would be the two that I would recommend. Um, and then work collaboratively with, with other people, other marginalized communities. I don't like that word marginalized. It bothers me, but, um, like other communities that have been underserved, I think it's important to, uh, to, to work together in unity, uh, because, uh, when you have more of a community, it takes more of the pressure off of the few. Mm -hmm. Right. I think I think that makes a lot of sense. And this actually leads into the second part of the question, which is the flip side. Yes. So what advice would you give to those who aren't necessarily racialized, racialized themselves, but they want to be able to support a racialized leader who's yeah. come into the organization or they know someone who is looking for more of a leadership role? Great. I love this question. Um, I think it's really important for allies. Um, and, and I think I, I don't, again, allies is another term that I struggle with sometimes. I think you need to be a co-conspirator, um, you know, an mm -hmm. advocate. 
um, I think you need to educate, they need to educate themselves. So, um, you need to understand what's happening in particular communities. Uh, I was doing a, a professional learning with some teacher librarians recently, and uh, I was saying to them, yeah, it's all well and good to buy these books about blackness, about black hair and, um, you know, different black stories. But are you reading the books? Because the students that are reading them, that's great. They already know the story. They already know the challenges that they face. We need you to understand it. You need to be reading those books. Right? So education is key. Um, and another piece that I would like to share is um, avoid being defensive. I think when you're an ally, it's, it's very quick. Sometimes they're quick to be defensive. Mm -hmm, I think it's right. really important not to be judgmental and defensive and to avoid suggesting that um, their experiences align with the experiences of those who have been underserved uh, because often they're, they're really not comparable. Um, so that's another uh, piece of advice that I would give. I think it's really important for them to be open, um, to learn from the lived experiences of those who, who have been underserved, um, and to use their privilege and to amplify other voices. Take people under your wing. If you are in a position of power, help others get to that spot. Mentor, support, provide leadership. Um, I think that's what you can do. Like, let us be protected by your privilege sometimes. <laughs> and um, I think they need to be upstanders. They need to speak out when they see and hear injustice, uh, injustices. They need to, um, you know, or discrimination or microaggressions. Like, it's really hard for me when people say I'm an ally, but then they wait for me to do the fighting and then come after and say, oh, I really agree with what you did. And it was really good that you stood up. I don't need you to do that for me. I'm always going to do that. But I need you to stand up not come to me after and tell me, um, you know, I really agreed with what you had to say. I need you to be the one saying. So uh, that would be my advice for people who want to support. Um, find the ways that you can support through money, through uh, mentorship, um, using your privilege. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are all, all really good points. I think like being non-judgmental, I think that's huge. I like that point that you made about not just supporting someone when they've already done some of the fighting, but actually do it yourself That's too. Right. Um, as you said, like you don't need people to say, oh, that was a great thing that you did. You right. need people to actually go ahead and do that. That's right. And then the mentorship. Like I think that's huge. You've, you mentioned that a number of times yeah. and I think that's something that's so critical but it's mm -hmm. often overlooked. That's right. Yeah. So definitely, definitely huge. Mm -hmm. um, now, putting you on the spot, are there any resources for mentorship that you know our listeners and, and viewers might be able to access. Sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of books. Uh, there's a lot of books that people can read um, to help with mentorship in, in various areas in terms of becoming a leader and being a leader, being a strong leader. Um, for educators, of course, there's a ton of books mm -hmm. uh, that are available. I particularly like... Um, the uh, Culturally Responsive Teaching um, and the Brain, which is a really, really great resource. But there's so many. There's so many, so many texts out there. Um, so I think training. I think there are, there's a lot of professional development that's available um, in the community and through a variety of organizations. Um, I think you can connect with community organizations and groups that are willing to work with you, mentor you. Um, those would be the, my advice. Th those would be the things I would suggest um, in terms of resources. So connecting with community organizations, having some type of training, um, you know, uh, uh, learning, reading, those are all things I think that are helpful. Okay, excellent. Yeah, those are those are really good um, good resources because I think like this idea is so great, but yeah. it just there's so many different avenues that people can take that it's sometimes hard to figure. Okay, what should That's I it. actually do? That's it. Um, 
So that, that, that's huge. There are a lot of people who have already made it. We don't have to mm-hmm. reinvent the wheel. We just have to learn from them and then put our own spin on it. That's what, I, you know, I think a lot of times we're too busy trying to do it ourselves and reinvent and reinvent. We don't have to mm-hmm. do it because there's other people who have achieved success. So let's learn from them and figure out what they did to achieve success. And then, of course, as I said, we can put our own spin on it. Mm-hmm. Then you can build on that. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now one of my favorite questions okay. that I ask everybody. Yes. Um, if you could go back in time and talk to your 16-year-old self, what, would you, what, would, what advice would you give her? What advice would I give? So I'm thinking back to 16. I, uh, I attended a high school that was uh, predominantly um, one demographic <laughs> that didn't look mm-hmm. like me. It was a very challenging op- uh, experience because I was often the only black student in the class. Um, I did experience uh, racism, but I was a very strong leader and uh, I persevered. And so I think I would just say to my 16-year-old self, keep going. You've got this girl. Like, just keep going. Um, you're doing well and you're, you will achieve success. And um, I think I would just encourage myself because I, I, I think I was doing what I needed to do at that age. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's yes. good that you already were pretty confident, but like just oh, the yeah. idea that... No, just keep going. Just keep, keep pushing going. through it. Yep. I, just I, do what, you, what you're doing. Anyone that told me I couldn't, I saw that, and I say this to students all the time, I saw that as a, as a challenge. If you tell me I can't, I will show you I can. And, I, 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 and some people, when they hear things, when they hear the negative and they're, they're put down, they, they become sad and they say, well, I can't do it. And they listen to that negativity. I refuse to do that. If you ever tell me I cannot do something, watch me. Watch me do it. I became the president mm-hmm. of the student council. I was a valedictorian. I got the principal's award. I, I showed them. Nice. Don't tell me I can't. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's something, especially at 16, it's like, um, I feel like at 16, you're always being told, oh, you can't do this, or you're not yes. responsible enough, or yeah. like, look how terrible you Particularly are. Particularly when you're racialized. When you're racialized. Yeah, exactly. Because you're dealing with that, and yeah. you're dealing with the fact that you're younger, and yes. you not as developed and so yes. people always look down on you mm-hmm. sometimes i think all we needed to hear is hey you got this 100%. you're doing a good job 100%. keep doing it that's it keep, that's all a lot of our young people need that's all they need they just need one person one caring adult to say you can do this and you will achieve success and i promised myself when i became an educator that i would be the educator in the building that always did that for students mm-hmm. and today i'm receiving phone calls from students that nobody believed in telling me miss i'm in medical school miss i'm in law school miss i have a family i want you to connect with me miss i'm building houses and and they're making it because one person said yes you can you can do this yeah that's great the fact that you actually are you made that promise, yes. and now you're living that promise. Yes. yes. That's incredible. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for, for coming in today. My pleasure. It was a really good conversation, and I think there's just so many uh, nuggets of information that I think everyone can, can benefit from. Awesome. I really appreciate you having me, and I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes.